Hi, welcome to the Bodywork in Pregnancy podcast. In this podcast, we will discuss the hidden treasures of bodywork during pregnancy. I found the most renowned experts in the field of bodywork and pregnancy and asked them about their experiences. Why do they think it's time to give bodywork a well-deserved place in prenatal care, childbirth preparation and postnatal care? I am Luz Madern and I work as a Thai massage practitioner with pregnant women. I'm also in training to be a doula. I am mesmerized by the intricacies of our human being, how we treat ourselves, how we see ourselves and why we deny ourselves to be as powerful as we can be. To me that became most clear when looking back at my two pregnancies and so a fascination began. I am thrilled that I get to speak to all these experts from all over the world because I truly feel that bodywork needs to form a more steady part of our lives and especially during pregnancy. I offer a platform to learn for moms and dads to be. And along the way, I am picking up on so much new stuff myself. So thank you for listening and please let me know what you think of this podcast. Today we cover a somewhat unexpected topic, vaginal steaming. When a colleague suggested me this topic, I wasn't convinced immediately. How does this fit into the bodywork theme of the podcast? But then I read this line on the Steamy Chick website. Steam goes right into the source of the problem without using tools, instruments, hands, cutting or force. And this resonates entirely with me. Although I use my hands and in fact my whole body in my work as a Thai massage practitioner, my aim is to work deep without invading the other person's space. The intention is always on following the body and guiding my clients through their body. And by that, they gain more bodily awareness. So yes, vaginal steaming definitely is a powerful tool in self-care and awareness of our body. I got in touch with Raquel Lemus, a licensed midwife based in Los Angeles. She has worked with families since she was 16 years old and has been a birth worker and a uterine health specialist since 2012. Raquel serves the LA community as a full-spectrum midwife, peristeme hydrotherapist, placenta specialist, yoga instructor, and educator. It is her goal to connect people back to the known wisdom and intelligence of their uterus in order to help them experience more joy and alignment with their life purpose. Hi, Raquel. Welcome. Hi. Hello. Hi. You are part of the Steamy Chick team in Los Angeles. Yes. Um, yeah. Maybe you can first tell us a bit more about Steamy Chick. I'd love to. Yeah, Steamy Chick. We're uh, uh, there's a large base of us in Los Angeles, but we're actually all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and Steamy Chick was started by Kelly Garza, who's in LA. She's in Hawaii now, um, and she started as one of the largest vaginal steams distributors in the world, really. She was shipping vaginal steam boxes all over. And from there, from her own experiences with cultivating, you know, her relationship with her uterus, healing her uterus, her relationship in maternity and her postpartum period, she really started to dive into researching and compiling and studying vaginal steaming. There's a rich history of vaginal steaming. Vaginal steaming can be found in almost every single continent. Um, around the globe, some some alluding to it in old texts, in um, different scriptures, in different um, indigenous practices. So vaginal steaming has a really old history, a really old history as women's medicine, as uterine health medicine. And so um, Kelly really helped to compile this information and bring it into a format that is simple to learn, that um, really supports the different characteristics of people's bodies and, and um, ailments that, that we experience. 
and is really bringing people together all over the world. So now she's opened the Perry Steam Hydrotherapy Institute. I was able to train with her. Um, and then I have my own midwifery training and together we've been collaborating ever since. And we have a whole team of other folks who are, um, who are also collaborating with and helping um, Steamy Chick grow. Mm. So, wow, yeah. that's an adventure. <laughs> it's like every time Kelly calls me I'm like all right what are we doing now what's going on how are we how are we over the world <laughs> one vaginal steam at a time <laughs> so what what is vaginal steaming yeah uh, vaginal steaming or gen or genital steaming um you know because it it, it it has larger implications than just if you have a vagina, but that's a whole other podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's really simple. It's using um, the medicine of water and herbs and fire, right? And so it's warming up water to create a gentle steam. We never want steam to be excessively hot. If steam is excessively hot, it can be damaging to the body. Um, so when we're steaming, we're gently using a gently warmed herbs and that steam tea to bring circulation, awareness, relaxation, um, bring alignment back into the uterus. And I think that's the beauty of steaming is um, depending on how you steam, what, you, what herbs you're steaming with, there's, there's, it's simple, but there's a lot of variation and subtleties of how you steam that can really impact somebody from, you know, who's getting rid of cysts or dealing with a yeast infection or who has painful periods or is moving through the postpartum or has had painful sex. So there's a large variation in, in the simplicity of the fact that we're using water and herbs to nourish the body, just like you would be taking in a tea right? We take in the medicinal warmth of the water of the tea. Our body absorbs that, those nutrients from the steam, from the tea. You're doing the same thing just through the porousness of your vaginal tissue, of your genitalia, right? You're essentially drinking this really super nourishing steam tea <laughs> through your genitalia, through your vagina, through you know, the labia and it's coming in through the blood system in that way. That's how we're absorbing the steam. And, and then it's going into your uterus and your uterus is wise. Your uterus is smart. So it's using those nutrients that it's receiving. It's using that stimulation to then address the various things that you may have going on within your body. Um, so yeah, that's, <laughs> that's my, my take on vaginal steam. In a nutshell, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it it always seems so. We're so used to like take medicine and eat it that we tend to forget that there's different ways of uh, of intake of your body. Like if you put on a yeah. cream, everything that's in the cream gets in your skin and in your system. Yeah, I mean, the, the skin is the largest part of our organ, right? It's like one of the biggest organs, the biggest organ in our whole body. Yeah. We forget, I think when we think of steam, we're like, well, how does it get in the vagina? And is it traveling up to the uterus? And we like have this imagination that like steam is kind of like sperm or something. And, <laughs> and instances, there are certain instances in, when, in which the steam is probably reaching the cervix and really going in through the cervix and into the uterus. But what we're working with is the subtle tissues is what you're saying is how we absorb that through our skin, through our, our por the porousness of our vaginal tissue and vaginal walls and how intricate that circulation system is, is down there is incredible. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's not like <laughs> it has to travel super far to like work. You're feeling the warmth right, right outside, just like taking something in or putting on a cream, like you said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Already, I, I took a vaginal steam um, without any herbs, and it was so nourishing and it was so relaxing. It's like, oh wow! I could, yeah, 
Yeah, you don't always have to use herbs. So I'm glad that you tried it. And yeah, I always, when I'm talking to my clients, you know, and talking to them about the level of the steam, I'm always like, I trust you to take a, shot, a hot shower or a warm shower and not burn yourself. Mm-hmm. I trust you to gauge the level of the steam for yourself, right? And mm-hmm. that's, that's our thing. Our society, we tend to be like, hotter is better, at least in the U.S. or like, more is better. Mm-hmm. And it's not. You know, it's that subtlety of being like, okay, is this comfortable? Is this soothing? And that's in where you, I think, you know, bring in with what you're saying, with the subtlety of allowing the body to meet you with where it's at, not forcing it, Mm -hmm. you know, what the steam is doing. And you don't, you're right. You don't need herbs sometimes. You can just do it with the, with the beauty of just water. Water itself is healing. Water is life. Water is incredible cleanser and clearer of so many things yeah Yeah. um what was i going to say um yeah because i was doing some research obviously on this subject and um and yeah all these articles popped up like women burned her genitalia after steam bath and i thought we never read that or when you have a cold and you take a facial steam bath, mm-hmm. we never read anything like women have has a burnt face after <laughs> facial steam. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it really lends to this idea, um, you know, that when it comes to our vaginas, when it comes to our genitals, there's a lot of disconnection. Right. And there's a lot of like, you know, to say, but a lot of people have had, you know, sexual assault or some type of trauma that has been enacted in their own body. So your level of like what you put up with when it comes to your genitalia, when you're detached because of having to survive and thrive in your own way is astronomical. So I know when I see that sometimes I'm like, ugh. I'm like, stand up, mm-hmm. like, stand up, like, get off of the chair. Like, no one's holding you and tying you down. I <laughs> hope they're not. It shouldn't be that way. But what that, and then when I look deeper, I just think, I just really feel that level of, like, of pain that so many people have, have been taught to put up with and discomfort for like beauty and for pleasure and for not even their own pleasure for somebody else's pleasure. Um, so yeah, no steaming should always feel like warm and comfortable. I always say that you should have the response that you're like, ah, when you sit down yeah. and take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And there, because you, we were talking before and you told me that in a lot of cultures, people still, uh, do the steaming like it's it's um, been taught from from mother to daughter um, can you tell a bit more about that yeah I say that I, I say that the cultures that we're seeing that have been able to keep vaginal steaming intact um, from you know way back when are really like Japanese women Korean women Haitian women um, there's several areas, um, even some of the Mayan communities throughout Mexico um, have been able to keep steaming alive throughout their, you know, throughout this history. And I think it really goes to just, you know, when and the impact of when the medical industrial complex was formulated and knowing that steaming and vaginal steaming was women's medicine. It was midwife's medicine. It was like the herbalist's medicine, that it was another tool that we would use as regular healthcare to maintain wellness in our bodies. And when our society started to move away from that system, some of those, those, um, a lot of those traditions got lost and a lot of like how each continent held that information with what herbs they used, a lot of that got lost. 
Um, but there are some some cultures that have kept it alive and have been able to like, you know, sometimes you'll ask like the great great grandmother or grandma and be like, oh, yeah, my grandma used to talk about that. And, you know, like, oh, that used to be that's old medicine, you know, that, like, oh, yeah, we used to do that after the baby's born. That's when you do that. Or, <laughs> or, you know, if you're trying to get pregnant, you do it, you know, right before you try to get pregnant, you know, so that they have the tools and it's, it's just like, you know, it had to go underground because people across the world were persecuted. Women across the world were persecuted for holding that, that knowledge and for not conforming to, you know, this, the male dominated system at that time and still enacting today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when I was, um, typing in i'm in holland now and i'm i was typing in vaginal steaming and um well first the first couple of pages on google were just on all the controversies about it um and and i think the steamy chick website and i will list it in the show notes that covers most of these these questions and topics so that's if you are very if listeners are very interested they really should go there and and read about it um but one of the things that popped up a lot was um the suriname culture that we have here in holland because we once colonized suriname and after uh, uh, the country became independent again a lot of people from there uh, immigrated to the netherlands so we have a big community here um and they kept steaming alive um But it caught my eyes because so many times that it was listed, it was about tightening and drying the vagina. And and then I thought, oh, yeah, if listeners like want to look into it and are uh, Googling more and trying to find out more about vaginal steaming here in Holland, these subjects will pop up and it was worrying me so I, I thought maybe we should discuss this topic like is it that steaming your vagina makes it tighter and more dry so yes and no right um and really looking at like i i think that's probably how they're marketing it now but if they could kept that tradition alive I bet you, you asking that great, great grandma, she's not really going to talk about a tight and dry vagina, right? Um, but it's like, look at what our society values, right? It's this idea that we have to have a tight pussy and tight vagina. Um, and, a, a, well, dry vagina is really interesting. But, um, you know, so that marketing of like, how do you keep this tradition alive, but marketing it to what people are concerned about now? And so when I think about, when I hear about people being concerned about a tight and dry vagina, what I think about is sexual arousal and pleasure. And this notion that what is a tight vagina? What we don't understand is that a tight vagina is, right, that sensation of being squeezed or when you're having penetration that it feels snug. But what is that? That's blood flow. That's erectile tissue. We have erectile tissue in our vagina. And so when you are actually aroused, This is where people don't understand that what creates that sensation of a tight vagina or tight pussy or whatever you want to take it is your own arousal. So if you aren't aroused, then there's no blood flow coming to your uterus from a way that is stimulating you in a natural way. And that's the problem is like people are trying to look for a source of being like, oh, this thing can get me tight when not understanding that what what actually creates that sensation of arousal and pleasure and tightness is your arousal. And that's what we're disconnected from. Mm -hmm. And so our, we're disconnected from our arousal one. So steaming can help people with arousal. It can help because it's increasing oxygen flow into the body. It's increasing blood flow into the genitals. And what did I just say is a tight pussy is oxygen flow to, to, you know, to the genitals. So oftentimes my client will be like, Ooh, I felt like really good after I was like, 
felt sensual again because they had that connection in a safe way, right? There's no pressure when you're steaming in that moment that, you know, you have to perform for somebody or that your vagina has to be a certain way for somebody else, right? And then as far as dryness goes, is like, you don't want to drive, you don't want to drive vagina. That's like that's what that's I thought. <laughs> healthy vagina to have a dry vagina. That's not healthy. Um, but what that, what that means to me is that people are probably having a concern around discharge and around smell, right? And so, again, we have, like, actually, when we're in our most aroused state, that's also when you have, like, the wet pussy that people, you know, that fluidness, that fluidity, that's the flow of life. That's arousal fluid, right? That's lubrication. And lubrication, if you are practicing penetrative sex, right, because there's more than just penetrative sex, but if you're practicing penetrative sex, that lubrication is going to help um, ease any friction. It's going to help more blood flow so that you have arousal, um, and it's going to feel good. But then when, if you're having problems with excess discharge, or if you're having maybe old residue and your body's not being able to clear, your uterus is not being able to clear stuff out, then that discharge can create like a smell or it can create, you know, texture that doesn't feel good for people, right? We don't want to be able to be like, I feel like I stink. Um, or like, how is my partner going to respond if I feel like I smell? And so again, we're disconnected from what is healthy vaginal fluid, what is healthy vaginal discharge, what is healthy vaginal smell. And steaming is not there. There are some people who are dealing with like excessive vaginal fluid. So steaming can support them or they have a dry or they have an overly damp system, right? So people with an overly damp system, meaning they have excess water in them, are probably people who tend to have more like infections, UTIs, yeast infections, HPV, things like that are more damp signs of dampness. And so if there's somebody who has dampness in their system, then steaming is going to help bring some dryness so that they're not so damp, right? We don't want to be stepping in mud. We want to be stepping on solid earth. And a, and a fluid solid earth, right? So we want to take mm -hmm. some of that water out. Um, and then there are other people who are overly dry. And so in that sense, steaming can help bring lubrication into the body. So this is again where I say that, you know, there's a lot of different subtleties and a, a lot of different um, um, conditions and that people are experiencing in their bodies. And that's where you can really tailor steaming to support the individual. Yeah. <laughs> I hope that answers the question. I can go uh, yes. on a rant. For me, it does. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and now because this is the pregnancy and bodywork podcast, and we did not really talk about that yet. So, this was kind of the introduction on what is, is vaginal steaming. Um, well, can you tell me, is it, is it um, a thing to, to steam during pregnancy? Can we do that? So, yeah. So generally, no. We, we, we say that before 37 weeks, really before 39 weeks, um, that you would refrain from vaginal steaming because vaginal steaming can increase circulation within the uterus. And so we don't want to stimulate contractions early. Um, but you can actually use vaginal steaming to help prepare you for labor once you're in dates, right? So you have like this due window um, starting here in the US it's, it's from 37 weeks to 42 weeks. Um, I think that's pretty common around the world. Yeah. Some places 36 is the window. So after 37 weeks, after you're in your due window, you can start doing some steaming, generally waiting until at least 38 or 39 weeks to help increase lubrication, right? Because increased lubrication is something that needs to happen before your baby comes out um, and to help soften the tissues, to help increase elasticity, to create oxygen flow to the uterus. And there's actually um, a maternity, it's called the Czech Republic Maternity Ward. And they're on our steamy chick directory as a reference. And they, we had a steam practitioner who, who 
I think was a doula and connected to the midwives working at this maternity ward. And they used it in the hospital there, which is like amazing. And yeah. And so we're trying to get a, we're trying to be in contact with them more because they offered it for women who were like in early labor where the contractions weren't totally progressing yet. But um, because of the system in the check, in the check, they, they come and they stay at the hospitals from my, from what I was understanding. So some of them are kind of sitting around like, okay, waiting for my contractions to start, you know, and like, but so they offer them steaming during that time to help, you know, and they created a whole protocol to help support them through early labor. Um, so you could actually do it on like a birthing stool. Or, yes. Yeah, exactly. yeah. You could totally do it on a birthing stool. Yeah. So there are ways that you can use it for labor readiness. Um, that and that I would highly recommend doing it with a professional like myself or you know a trained peristeam hydrotherapist. It's simple enough. We teach you how to do it your you know yourself and with your family. Um, but we we want you to know that there are certain indications and contraindications that you would have to look for. We were checking in on your pregnancy a little bit just to make sure that there's nothing to be you know concerned about and make sure that for in a healthy you know healthy pregnancy, you can use it to support labor readiness at the very, very end Mm -hmm. of your pregnancy, but definitely not before 37 weeks. Um, And you, you definitely don't want to use just any herb mixture you find on the internet somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. You definitely don't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And and then because postpartum it is a big bigger thing. It's getting bigger, I think. I've I've heard it more often now. Yeah, for postpartum it's great. And that's actually what you'll hear in most cultures. Like if the most cultures that have kept vaginal steaming alive, a lot of them have kept it alive through postpartum practices, which is really, really cool. And that's when we see so much benefit. That's even how Kelly like really kind of started. And when I first met them, they were, they were, you know, really into the postpartum care of everything Um, because Kelly used it with her, with her own children. Um, I have yet to have children yet, but I have steamed many, many mothers um, in their postpartum time. And with Kelly, Kelly Garza, and then Kimberly Johnson, who's the author of the fourth trimester, we, you know, we created a postpartum vaginal steam study. So, you know, we were able, I was able to go out because I was doing this and we had a group of women who were, we were steaming and then a group who we didn't steam until after six weeks. And so the group of women that we were steaming, we steamed them eight days in a row. Um, And so it was a very small study, but what we were starting to see is that, um, you know, postpartum vaginal steaming can help with recovery. It can help clear out the afterbirth. Um, It can help with the uterine contractions, especially for, you know, second time parents or, you know, after the first child, the the uterine contractions can be a little bit more intense depending on how you were able to take care of yourself um, in your previous pregnancies. And so there's this myth that kind of like, oh, your uterine contractions just get worse the more children you have. But really, I believe that that's because there hasn't been proper uterine care. And so steaming can help really release any afterbirth and help, you know, help the the uterus come back down to um, its normal size. It can help with sutures if you've had any tears and sutures and need that tissue healed. It can, it can heal that area um, more quickly. It can help that regeneration. It, what we also found is that it tends to lower blood pressure. So in the study, we saw that there was a big difference. Everyone was in a fairly low, a fairly normal range of blood pressure, but the steaming group um, had an even lower blood pressure than the non-steaming group. So, you know, that's, I think that's important, especially for, you know, for pregnancy, for moms who are at higher risk of of things like preeclampsia in their pregnancy. And even in the postpartum, we don't realize that preeclampsia can come on in the postpartum. So, 
that's, you know, that's, a, that's kind of a, a benefit that we weren't expecting. Um, and it can help with just like your body, your organs coming back to center, um, not holding on to, you know, not that we're worried about weight, but in the postpartum, but not holding on to excess fluids, which create excess weight, which create excess pressure in the organs, which then create excess pressure on the uterus. So there's lots of healing benefits um, that you get from steaming in the postpartum. And it is the only time where you can steam when there is some fresh red blood flowing because the, mecha the mechanisms of, of why you're bleeding in the postpartum are different than just having a regular menstruation. Um, so you can start steaming in the postpartum, you know, three to four days after you give birth, as long as things, as long as your blood, is, your blood flow is decreasing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we recommend the full protocol is really taking 30 days, taking that, you know, that, that rest in time, that quarantena time, that 40 days, um, that most cultures have in their own language, um, to express that time where you're, you know, just with family and you're taking care of the baby and you're nourishing and resting yourself. Um, and then it gives mom, I think that time to like come back to themselves, you know, they're as when you're just gave birth, you've given so much of your body and you continue to give so much of your body to this other little being um, who you love and you care for. And that can be overwhelming. Um, so having something to come back and, and ground you back into yourself, ground you back into your body and help you um, feel like more normal or more like yourself is nourishing. And with that, I, you know, a lot of us just ha are having this conversation around postpartum depression. And, you know, I think some of the, that postpartum depression is dealing with the fact that, you know, for some people, it's uncomfortable to pee. It's uncomfortable to be dealing with cramps while you're, and so it's like, are they depressed because they are really sad or are they depressed because your body hurts and you're not being able to have like the care that you're, that you really deserve, right? Like anybody's going to be depressed if they feel like they can't pee and poop comfortably and that their uterus is, is contracting. So is that an added factor? And if we can bring in a practice like vaginal steaming to support just the body alignment, then we're releasing the potential for, you know, not falling into um, a deep postpartum blues or postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. Did you see um, um, a, a significant difference during your study in the postpartum blues or depression even? It, it was something that we were starting to track, but we, we didn't have a good way of tracking it. So we, I, so I couldn't like say like, oh, this was this or that was that. But what I can say is that, you know, in my, in my responses and me being present, because I was the one doing all the home visits for people, which was really cool. Um, but in their response, it was just helpful even to have somebody come over and, you know, set the steam up. Cause I was, I tried to be, you know, I'm really chatty. You can see, I get really passionate about these things and I'd love to talk to postpartum women and about their stories and about their birth. So I really had to try to just like go and put the steam and like not have any of, of these <laughs> other factors <laughs> in, or just like go and do vitals and like, you know, and just, to have somebody there who had that, I think made a huge difference for a lot of people. Um, that is something that, you know, we want to, to touch on more um, and have more of a concrete kind of like show of it, but it, it was- Because during the study, you were going there yourself every day. Yeah. Yeah, so when, for the, for the STEAM group, I would go to, I was on call for anybody who gave birth and the participants that signed up. And so when they called me starting on day four, every single day for, you know, five days in a row, I would go over to, to their house. And so everybody received a visit. Um, both groups received a visit on day four, day eight, and at six weeks. But the STEAM group had those five days of STEAMing from day four to essentially day eight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and if you want to start steaming postpartum, 
Um, do you need a, a, a licensed therapist or someone who, who, um, who is certified to come to your house these five days in a row? Or can you just start by yourself? Or how do you, how do yeah, you start? You don't necessarily need somebody who's going to come over to your house. Um, in the postpartum, I do recommend having a support person on your postpartum team, whether that's your partner, right? Partners, that's this is such a great way. If you're listening, this is such a great way for you to care and nurture for, you know, this new family and partners. I think sometimes you can be like, I want to help with the baby, but she's the one who really needs to breastfeed and care for the baby in that time. And so it can kind of feel like, what do I do? Um, but, you know, your responsibility is really taking care of, of the mother and the new, you know, birthing person. And so steaming, setting up the steam box and setting up the steam stool can be really um, helpful to, to have done. But that being said, you can have your mother-in-law, your, you know, gra- any of the grandmas, a cousin, an aunt, a good friend, like it's simple enough. Um, to set up, you would be able to set it up yourself as the birthing person, but I don't recommend that because we don't want to give you an, a, another thing to do um, on top of, you know, just trying to figure out how to breastfeed a baby, eat and brush your teeth at some point, right? It's, it's a lot. Um, I do recommend at least having a consultation with the peristeen hydrotherapist, um, like me or somebody, you know, in the, the peristeen hydrotherapy team that we have um, to help you get started so that we can kind of talk you through the process. We can do an assessment of what's going on through the pregnancy. We can, you know, um, recommend a good, a good herbal combination for you and then teach you and your partner, teach you and whoever's going to be there with you how to set up the system so that then you can do it on your own. Um, And then from there, we would check in. I have a lot of, you know, clients who just like go and do it and be like, this is amazing. Thank you so much. Super simple. I love it. I feel so much better. Um, And then I have some, some people check in with me, you know, throughout the process as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can do it online. Yeah. You can do it online. Most of my, most of my, uh, my appointments are like this zoom or over the phone or WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have, we have, thank you. Thank you to this technology that we, we can, you know, we can connect, you know, we can connect from California to, you know, Holland over here. So it's pretty mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Is it? <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. the time difference, but that's the only thing. Yeah. We can work around that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, you were talking already about like there's so much on your plate when you're uh, a new mother or maybe not even a new mother. Maybe you have already two, three children walking around when you have a newborn baby. And um, like we all know the stories of, of women on Facebook. Ah, it's 7 p.m. and I still don't, did not have my own shower. <laughs> so... Um, I can imagine that daily steam, steaming would just put another task on top of it. Like how, how do people do that? It's a great question. Um, I think people do it in two ways. One is really understanding that prioritizing the mother's health and well-being is prioritizing the wellness of the whole family, right? And so if you're caring for the mother, then everyone's going to be okay and everyone is going to be well. So I think that's one. Um, And then you can't do a little, you can't do it alone. Having a support system is key. Mm -hmm. So having those people, even if you're the partner doing it, I, I think that the postpartum is for, is for the, this, for the pregnant and newly birthed family. So yes, we need to care for, you know, the birthing person and the birthing mother and the baby, obviously, but the partner also needs to have that time to be able to skin to, you know, to just lay their skin to skin with them to chill out. We can't always have the partner being like, okay, I'm going to do laundry now and I'm going to go cook and I'm going to go set up the steam and I'm, you know, 
So that's where we need the community. That's where we need grandmothers. We need, you know, aunts and cousins and um, friends. I think, you know, a lot of us talk about like, how can we support each other in community? And right now, especially during this time, when we're feeling that separation from each other even more, you know, this is a good time to really think about how do we want to formulate our societies and our communities to really support each other? Um, and so, you know, part of that is being vulnerable as, as the new family and being like, hey, we need support. And this is important. And we talk about, you know, having friends to be like, I'm there for you. Yeah, just call, you know, and doing that. But then if we're the person who's birthing, and then we're not will, willing to be vulnerable and say, yeah, I'm going to take you up on, on that help. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say yes to your support. Then they can't do anything. It's a gift. What I always tell my clients, it's a gift that you give your friends, your family, your community, your trust to help you out in this moment, in this transition of you being a new family. It is such a gift that you can give to ask somebody for help, to trust somebody enough to say, hey, can you bring an extra, can you bring us a meal? Can you come over and just like empty all the trash from all the rooms and put new trash bags in? Hey, can you come over and do a load of laundry? Hey, can you come over and hold the baby while I take a shower and do my vaginal steam and hang out with my husband or hang out with my partner? Right? Mm-hmm. Your friend would be like, I can Netflix and chill and hold a baby on me. I mean, I would say yes, but that's, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. probably yeah. what I would have done at my own house anyway, right? Or your grandmother, whoever, right? Like, having yeah that. we're so not used to doing that and we're so used to having to do everything by ourselves mm-hmm. yeah. and i always say like it's not that you can't i mean every single woman every mother absolutely knows that if you needed to do something you would a hundred percent get that done there's no doubt in my mind that any mother watching this any expectant mother watching this, any person watching this, entering into that motherhood, if they needed to get something done, they would get it done themselves, 100%. But why do you have to? That's the question. Why do you have to? Is it more uncomfortable? And that's where it's like, is it more uncomfortable to extend and actually do the work, the vulnerability work around cultivating a community that you actually trust to be around you, you know? And I know that there's certain families that that's really hard. You may not be living where you have somebody near or, um, you know, or maybe you don't have a, a healthy relationship with your family. So having friends or having other community, just learning how to cultivate trust within each other, I think is a huge, is just a huge thing. And I think the postpartum period is an incredible opportunity to start cultivating that. Um, and then for families who are doing the steaming, you know, I always say life happens. So if you skip a day or two of steaming, if you skip three days of steaming, it's okay. Come back to it later in the postpartum, right? Like that's fine. If you have to wait, I mean, it's not ideal, but sometimes I work with people who are like, I had a baby a year ago. Can I still do a postpartum healing? And I'm like, absolutely. I've had, you know, I'm just got off the phone or yesterday did a consult with a mom who um, her baby's six and we're still working on healing her after her postpartum through vaginal steaming now. So, you know, it's never too late. And the reality is it's, are you going to, if you're not going to do it in the postpartum and you're not going to commit to doing it in the postpartum, and this is also what partners need to understand, that the health of well-being of caring for the uterus and caring for the mother in the postpartum impacts her health for the rest of her life. So that's if you want to have another child, that's going into menopause, that's your stamina for being able to keep up with your children. That impacts everything. So it's like, take a month. We're all kind of used to it now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think 
<laughs> that's that's the one thing I, I think I was it's not only postpartum I think it starts in pregnancy or even before <laughs> even before <laughs> but, yeah my my thing is that the body work during pregnancy and it's such an important oh. part of getting to know our bodies and really taking care of it not only from our minds but from the inside out and yeah Absolutely. I, I agree 120%. You're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need that as mothers. <laughs> Fathers need it as well. That's a different topic and it's up to them and not up to us, I think. Um, yeah. We'll wait for that. That's another podcast video for you. Yes. <laughs> for the dads. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, well, it is nice that you were talking about it. It's, it's nice when the partners get involved into the steaming and um, they know what to do and how to uh, how to help their their wives or their partners. Yeah, it's funny. I saw a meme the other day that said um, it was a pregnancy meme that the dad. It was like dad asks the midwife like. How do I get her interested in sex again? And and the the midwife answered something like, um, "Well, you could try doing some foreplay, like washing the dishes." <laughs> but you know, I think I think in that too, we always like in the postpartum and and how we were talking about. I think one of the biggest conversations is like, how do you return to sex? And how do you, how do you, you know, do that in a comfortable way? And I always say steaming can really help that as well. Again, not because you should be able to perform for your partner, but because it allows you to come back into yourself and figure out like your arousal points, right? Your, your arousal points after having a baby are totally different. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's ways oh, that- oh, maybe we should talk to Deborah Pascali as well. <laughs> Yeah. Who wrote a book on um, sex after birth? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes, do it, do it. You know, so and I say that that it 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 empowers the partner to know, right? Because ultimately, if you had a baby with this person, they care about you. They want to be able to bring you pleasure, yeah. sexually, orgasmically, emotionally, ideally, right? So being able to give them a task that they know that they're contributing to you and your health and your well-being and eventually, you know, um, your own sensuality, because that's life, whether you're creating another human being or you're creating a delicious, delicious meal or you're creating the profession that you want, that, that steaming allows you to come back into yourself and into the truth of who you are. Um, it's one way of doing that. There's several ways of, of doing that. And, and bring you back into that arousal life force, not just to have sex, but to, to be that radiance that, that you have, to hold that radiance that you have. Yeah, yeah. Well, the basis of our life is there, like in the more downwards parts of our body, like the pelvis and, and the belly. Yeah. And we're yeah. so much in our heads all the time. <laughs> Very good for that. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So if we are concluding this talk, would you have like a quick start guide? Like one is find, find a very, what do you call it? It's a, it's a different word. <laughs> you know, find a steamy chick. <laughs> yeah, find a steamy chick somewhere in your area that comes to your house or go there or find someone online. Yeah, so we, you know, and I'm sure you'll share my info, you can always reach out to me for consultations on doing consultations online for, you know, pregnancy, postpartum for, you know, even beyond that, right, working through all phases of the uterus. Um, and then on the Steamy Chick directory, or, or on the Steamy Chick website, we do have um, this page that says global map. And we have a directory of practitioners. So you can start to look into practitioners. We also have a helpline um, there. And, um, and then we have several practitioners around the world, whether it's me, whether it's somebody else, we can get somebody connected 
to a practitioner to help support them, you know, through through their pregnancy, through their postpartum, through fertility, through, you know, menstruation, through whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, my first guide would be, my first quick guide would be tune in with your body. Like what, what's going on, you know, notice, notice what your blood looks like. Notice what, you know, um, what your uterus feels like if you're pregnant or in your postpartum, um, notice any discharge, notice any resistance, just notice, be curious. My first thing would be curious, be curious about your vagina and your uterus. Mm -hmm. And then from there, my, I would be like, seek support, you know, read about us, listen to this podcast over again. (laughs) 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 We have the steamy, we have the hot and steamy chick podcast. Um, I'm episode three on there. Um, and so we have that podcast. We have, check out the website, check out the steamy chick website. They have, we have a DIY guide there. Uh, you know, we have a user guide and then we have, you know, and then if you need, you know, for the supporter, you're ready to, to take that, to take, uh, take that responsibility for your health and your joy and your wellness, then schedule an appointment, um, and, and get started. <laughs> And you were talking about the um, steam box before. And um, because I was like looking into it and, and, and Googling some things, and I was like, oh, this is all expensive. And it took me a while before I got to the more inexpensive things to do. Um, so what could people do when they want to start and just want to try if this is for them or not? Yeah. So if you want to try it, depending on what's going on, again, I would recommend speaking to somebody or at least doing the DIY tutorial on the Steamy Chick website. Um, But you don't need a fancy chair. I highly recommend getting a chair long term because I think steaming along with like massage and body work and acupuncture and health and nutrition is going to be a incredible, you know, part of your long-term healthcare plan, um, an autonomous healthcare plan. And you can simply start with like a warm bowl, uh, a gently warmed bowl of water on the ground and kneeling it or taking like a half runner's lunge over it. Um, and you don't have to start with a lot of herbs. You can start with one herb Um, maybe you're growing rosemary in your garden and you have a relationship with rosemary. Maybe you're growing jasmine in your garden. You have a relationship. Maybe you just have water, right? So you can start that way. Um, and so there's ways that you can steam using a pot in the toilet as well and sitting on there. If you're in the postpartum, I highly recommend either doing it on the toilet or investing in a chair just because you know, you're doing a lot already. The last thing you want to do is have to kneel on the ground. It's Mm. just unrealistic. You're never going to do it. Um, You know, so get the chair. It's worth it. (laughs) On the Steamy Chick Instagram account, there's a very nice uh, video tutorial on how to make your own chair. So that's my next project. I'll I'll share it on Instagram. (laughs) Yeah. If you have a handy person in your life, like, Get them to make you one. Yeah. 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 Oh, nice. Thank you. You're and welcome. Talking to you. This was um, very interesting. And, um, and I hope we help a lot of people with it. Likewise. Likewise. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed our conversation, please share this episode with your friends. And I would really like to know what you think of it. So let me know on Instagram or Facebook, the details you find in the show notes.